to Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart, the podcast where we chat with athletes, coaches and industry professionals about the benefits of being involved in sport beyond performance. incredibly honoured that my first guest is Matt Holland, captain of the Victorian Paralympic football team and all-round great person. Matt takes us on his football journey and how it has helped him develop his confidence in all areas of life. Tomorrow, Tuesday the 6th of October, is World Cerebral Palsy Day and in Matt's own words, a reminder to look beyond any disability to the wonderful person before you. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I did recording. So welcome, Matt. It's a pleasure to have you join us today. Thanks, Faye. Great to be here. So can you tell us a little bit about your sporting journey? Yeah, certainly. Uh, so my name is Matthew Holland. I'm uh, the captain of the Victorian Paralympic Football Program. Um, so to give a bit of context on, on the sport I play, uh, Paralympic football um, is so soccer but I do call it football. Um, so Paralympic soccer or football, um, whereas normal football is 11 aside, Paralympic football is seven aside, and it's open to people with either cerebral palsy or who have an acquired brain injury. So as well as having seven aside, it's um, 30 minute halves as opposed to 45 minutes. There's uh, no limit on substitutions and there's no offside. So it's, it's, a, it's a shortened version of the game. So my sporting journey, um, so I came across... Paralympic football by accident, by, by accident really. Um, it was August of 2011, and as part of, and I was in year nine, and as part of year nine, we uh, do two weeks in the city because um, the school, our school was based in the Mornington Peninsula, and it was called P2C, so Peninsula to the City. And we were doing this, this thing as part of the two weeks. We were trying to work out how disabled friendly Melbourne was because we had to do a, a task. And so me being me, because I have cerebral palsy myself, I had a wheelchair. I'm not normally wheelchair bound, but we just thought for the two weeks, we'll assume that I am uh, and try and work out how disabled friendly Melbourne's public transport is. And I can tell you now that trams are very difficult to get on and off if you're in a wheelchair. That's something I've never forgotten. So we're in Federation Square and I was just walking around and I think from memory it was a disability event or a disability day because there was this thing going on in Fed Square and there was this guy called Ben who was actually involved with the Paralympic football program. He actually established it, created it. And he'd also played for the, the national football team, the Pararoos. And he tells the story that I fell up the stairs and he knew from that moment that I was, I was someone he needed to speak to. <laughs> um, I don't know how we got chatting, but we did. And he told me about the Paralympic football program and said, oh, you know, you should, you should come along. You should, you should give it a try. And at the time, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. That, that sounds interesting. I wasn't much of a soccer player before this. Like, I, I followed the sport loosely, kind of supported Liverpool in the Premier League, but not really. The thing was, I already played, Saturday, I already played sport on a Saturday as part of my school commitments, um, cricket in the summer and AFL in the winter. And I thought, oh, you know, I'll probably give this a go and I'll probably, you know, not do it for too long. Fast forward almost 10 years later and I'm still involved. So <laughs> I was wrong on that front. Went to my first training session and yeah, I, I don't remember too much. I was probably not very good because uh, as I said, I didn't grow up playing football. So, you know, I had to learn, first of all, not to run with the ball with your hand because that's what you do in AFL football. You bounce it and you kick it, at, you know, it's hand only. No, no hands. Yeah, so I started 2011 and just kept going week after week because I honestly thought I'd go for a few weeks and that was it. Uh, so did that. And then we had our first, um, so every year as part of our, our program, there's a national tournament. Fortunately, not this year because um, of COVID. So that's, that's been fun. And this is uh, the 2012, so I missed the 2011 nationals. It was, it was gone by the time I arrived. But the 2012 nationals were in April, um, April, May. And I've been going week in, week out. 2011 and got to 2012 and I remember first of all in the lead up to the 2012 national so this was in April May and the squad was picked I think at the end of March and every training because we were training every week up until the end of March and every training session was in a different location 
week on week. Oh. It was never the same. So it was almost like it was like a, that's how they were testing it. So can you make it to North Melbourne? And then can you make it to Werribee? <laughs> and of course, living in Seaford, they were never in Frankston. They were never Bayside. It was always the other end of the city. And I remember just going week in, week out and thinking, oh yeah, you know, wouldn't it be great if I got selected? And lo and behold, I was. Uh, I remember this distinctly well because the school wrote an article on me in the school newsletter. I played my first ever game for the state in runners. I didn't actually wear football boots. Um, <laughs> and I had my orthotics on as well, which I look back now and go, hey, what an incredible fashion statement I was making at the time. But also, um, you know, that, that's, that's just that I didn't even play football boots. That, that just shows where, where my mind was as a footballer that I wasn't wearing <laughs> proper football boots. We played our first game, or my first game, properly was on a Friday night and in great logistics the game was at uh 5:30 on the Friday night and we touched down at midday I think that day and, and I'd been awake since sort of 6 7 and when you're 14 15 like that puts your body under a bit of stress that that was that was good fun um so for our first 25 nationals we uh so my first nationals 2012 uh we finished fourth um so we played off in the bronze medal game unfortunately didn't win it we lost to south australia which was the story of the next two or three nationals i think where we would would meet we'd meet sa and we wouldn't win um and i I was beginning to think i was the bad luck charm on the team because we won a national we'd won a medal at every nationals before i turned up and i thought oh god like is it me Have have i done something have i brought a curse on the team i suppose away from from football for a second the best thing about the program, and I was really fortunate that I came across the program there. And I do call it that, a program, because it's more than just a football team. It is a program. Mm-hmm. Um, I came across it at a really fortunate time because, I, so I came across it in August 2011. And towards the back end of 2011 slash early 2012, I was dealing with um, some difficult stuff at school. I was being, I look back at it now, severely bullied for for having cerebral palsy, for having my disability, by a couple of people who remain nameless. Uh, but suffice to say that it was really unpleasant and it was really difficult. And it got to a point where, you know, I questioned questioned what the purpose was of being here. Um, you know, when you're being subjected to stuff, you know, on social media as well, which was a fairly new phenomenon at the time, mm. uh, you know, wholly on the basis of a variable you can't control, it's very, very difficult. Um, now, I don't think I've ever shared this with the, the wider program, but just having them there, at the, just knowing that they existed at the time was yes. um, incredibly uh, beneficial because for the first time in my life, I knew people who walk like me. I, they, they existed. You know, when you've got a disability growing up and you're the only person who walks like you do and acts like you do, it's like, am I the only person in the world that know what this this feeling is like like you know that there are other people like you you just never see them Mm. um so so, so meeting these guys it was great and i think i came across them at a really good time that i just knew that i almost had a support group really in a sense that i had people i could talk to and i think you know fast forwarding to now that's been one of the lasting legacies for me personally in the program not only the football that I've played, and I've made many great memories, it's just the friendships that I've made and the people that I know that I can support. Them. And, and um, being a formal leader in the team means that I now have those conversations with the younger guys about, you know, growing up with a disability and, and that sort of thing. Um, so that's been, that was been really, been really beneficial. I make every Nationals from 2011 to 2019, obviously none this year, so 2012, to 2013, same as 2012, we go up against SA and we don't win the bronze medal again. Uh, 2013, we actually had a chance to make the grand final. Um, so New South Wales, uh, the the best team in in the, in the country. I think they've won every national tournament bar one. So whenever you don't lose to them and, and lose to them like 9-0, it's always a huge result. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually drew with them and I think all we needed to do was beat Queensland. We were in the grand final, which we never made by that, which in 2013. And, of course, we didn't win. So, of course, we had to play South Australia. And, of course, we didn't win that. So, that was, that was fun. Uh, 2014, we finally beat them. Uh, and I remember just feeling so overjoyed at the time. It was, it was great. The 2012 Nationals came right before my year 12 exams. So, um, I remember the next week, like, it was like the Monday, just having the biggest feeling of, like, oh, God, you know, 
like biggest white girl ever. I just want to go back and I just want to go and enjoy myself again. Oh, it's so <laughs> lovely. Um, I just missed that a lot. Uh, 2015, we we won the bronze medal again. Uh, so that was two so two in two years. That was a great feeling. Um, again, we were close to making the grand final, but just couldn't beat them. Uh, 2016, we I regard as my worst nationals just as a, from a team effort because we came last. Um, and there were five teams that year. And every year I'd been involved with the program, we'd always played off. We'd always played off for a medal. And not playing off for one really got me in the guts. Mm. I, I really didn't like this feeling. And uh, it was almost like, uh, in my mind, I sort of drew a line in the sand at that moment and thought, I am never, as long as I am in a playing capacity in this team, I am never being in this position again, what I'm watching for other teams play off for a medal and we're not, mm. you know, because at the end of the day, and I'm, I'm, I'm a very proud Victorian even away from the program. I, I, I wish I owned a big V for, for state of origin shirt. Um, <laughs> but I take a lot of pride in playing for my state. You know, for me, this isn't a, a week, week away. This isn't a holiday. This is for me a very proud thing to do. So, no, I wouldn't, say that I felt I let the state down because that would be too strong a language, but I certainly felt like we didn't give the best account of ourselves. 2016 also coincided with my first leadership promotion. So I was appointed joint vice captain um, in the end of, back into 2016. And then 2017, we made our first grand final and it was just, uh, it was amazing really to go from the, literally the bottom to you know, fighting off for the national tournament was great and that was so 2017 I was appointed vice captain on my own it was, so 2017 national tour always hold a special place in my heart because the first time I actually got the captain the boys formally and also to, just the pride I had and just seeing the football we played it was um it was really great because we had two new coaches come on in 2015 uh, Andrew and Seb and obviously oh, Andrew Andrew Seb and George and then George left in the 2015 um, so it was just Andrew and Seb in 2016, and obviously with the with the way we finished, you know, and Football Federation Victoria by this point was running the program. It wasn't just a an initiative of disability sport and rec. And um, the end of 2016, I was really fearful that um, Andrew and Seb were probably going to get moved on or moved on to other things, just because you know we we made a medal we we made a medal game every year, and it was their first year, and um, what was what were they going to do? Uh, I think in hindsight, a really great decision was that they didn't move Andrew and Seb on. They decided to keep them, and yeah, and I think the results showed. I mean, 2017 we made a grand final. 2018 we also made another grand final. Unfortunately, didn't win either. But you think from where we came from, mm. um, that was a really good feeling. So yeah, on a team front, two grand finals in two years, both against New South Wales. Can't I'd be lying if I say it didn't hurt? Um, you know, you work. You, you work yourself for 12 months to be in those positions and when you don't win it, it's hard. Just, just weren't the better. We, just, we, were just, we just weren't the better team on the day, really. 2018 also coincided with my first year as being the captain of the team. So that was, that was a really, really rewarding experience um, and a really great experience to go from, you know, being this little kid that found the program to now being in a formal leadership position um, was really great. So yeah, it was it was great fun. But again, would I love to have said I captain the team to a national tournament? I would love to have said that. It just wasn't true. And then 2019, uh, so the most recent nationals ended up finishing fourth. So again, playing off for the beloved bronze medal. This time against New South Wales blue. So New South Wales split their squad into two. Um, so New South Wales white, New South Wales blue, and I think we played off against the blue team, which was basically the the second team, but. Which unfortunately we didn't win, so we came home medalless, and that was a bit disappointing because when you go from you know playing in two grand finals to then not even finishing third, like that was disappointing. We played some really good football though. We, we won a couple of games um, by some heavy margins, and I actually scored my first goal, which was an incredibly rewarding feeling. Um, I don't know if you've seen the video fee, but we ended up cutting that to the Titanic music. Um, I see it this morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if this is going to be an audio on the medium, but if you do get a chance to do some visuals, you should pop that on. I don't know how you go with the copyright, but uh, so the context behind that, I should explain. It was a game in 2017. So obviously I, I'd never scored before 2019 and, you know, it had become a bit of a, 
uh, not a monkey on the back, but sort of a sort of, we, we all knew it existed. We, we knew everyone, we, we never addressed it, but we knew it existed. So 2017 Nationals, playing against New South Wales, you know, like a round-robin game. And I had this chance on goal and I completely fluffed it. Well, I, I tried to argue at the end of the day that I was trying to pass it off to someone, but I wasn't. <laughs> I I'm completely fluffed my lines. And as a bit of a joke, the coaches cut that miss to the Titanic music because this was a time when all of the greatest sporting moments ever were, were cut to the Titanic music. And I made them promise, I said, if I ever score, you have to cut that to the Titanic music. So that, that is why we, we ended up doing it. So when I scored and after the sort of 10 minutes in the change group, like, oh my God, he's done it. He's done it. I went to them and said, are you going to cut this? No, we won't cut it to the Titanic music because, you know, we, we've got to be, we've got to be serious. It's a full team review. Lo and behold, they went and did it. And then we uploaded it to, to social media. And I think that remains our most popular video to this day. Um, I've actually had people, we, we, we had a, a function dinner the, that night and I felt like a celebrity because I had people coming up to me going, oh my God, that is the greatest goal I've ever seen. Now, if you look at it from a technique perspective, it's actually not that impressive. It's literally just a control with the boot and it's a, you know, it's a uh, roll into the keepers. You know, you could argue the keeper should do better, but he, he doesn't. Uh, I think people were more impressed that for someone with, you know, quite severe cerebral palsy, I was able to run pretty quickly at full tilt without falling, you know, at, at full pace. So I think my coaches, if I ever say to my coaches, I'm too tired to run somewhere, they're just going to point that. They're just going to bring up that footage and go, well, you, you had energy there. So why can't you replicate it here? So um, I suppose that's a long-winded way of explaining my almost 10-year journey in Paralympic football. Obviously can't not touch on 2020 as, as much of a fun year as it's been. So 2020 has been really interesting because um, normally every, well, normally this time uh, I'd be gearing up for my, for a national tournament. You know, I'd be getting ready to go away. Last year was the first time I had to do it whilst working full time. Um, so that was interesting because normally, you know, it's, it's towards the back end of my uni semester and I can just say to my lecturers, I won't be here this week. I'll try and listen to the lectures, but I probably won't. So yeah, it, it was interesting last year. So obviously this year, uh, you know, nationals was cancelled about June because of COVID. I sort of knew before then that it was probably unlikely to go ahead. I mean, how could you allow people from the state of Victoria? I mean, this was when we were just only beginning to have the second wave. So we could actually, you know, go beyond five kilometres out of a house. You know, how could, how would they let us go up? You know, it wasn't going to happen. And, and just the logistics of, you know, you'd have to, how, how are you going to isolate everyone when we normally live really close together? So it was never going to happen mm. this year anyway. So this year's been actually really, uh, actually really rewarding for me. Um, I sort of made a, a um, agreement with myself, not a binding one, but just sort of a, you know, in my mind that I was going to try and utilize this time as best I could. Having that free time to, you know, work on my body and work on my fitness Cause, because, you know, instead of, you know, needing to get up at, uh, you know, six every morning and go to work and then coming home like, oh, I'm, I'd love to go to the gym, but I'm just a bit too tired. It's like, well, you're working from home now, so there's no excuse. And uh, obviously not having the weekly training sessions, well, you know, together anyway, trying to work on that in isolation. So uh, I've been really impressed actually with, with how I've gone about it. I've been doing sort of three to three and a half hours of yoga every week, um, which has been working on my lower body and my core as well. And I've really noticed a difference um, in my my ability to run quicker and also run for longer huge opportunity to huge thank you sorry to the sports injury clinic you know uh, for devising a program actually that was was really essential to me um getting my getting my body working that's also something i should touch on there um at the back of 2017 i was recruited as part of the, the, the sports injury clinics sponsored athlete program mm-hmm. um which is a you know recognition of, of of athletes uh, in their sort of professional sport. Um, so obviously Paralympic football is not a professional sport, as you may have alluded to when I mentioned I have to work full time. Um, I'll get to that later. Um, and that's been really rewarding as well, just having a, a PT to devise a, a strength program for me. Um, and I have noticed like, you know, if I was on, you know, a medium level before I started the program, I'm on a much better level. Like I have so much confidence now in my body and what I can and can't do. So some personal milestones in ISO. I ran my first 10k uh, in under an hour which was pretty impressive. I think I uploaded it to Instagram just just the the Strava time not my bread and sweaty face because no one needs to say that. (laughs) Um, 
And then I followed it up a few months later by running 13K in about an hour and 20, um, which when you think from, you know, where I was, like, I couldn't have done that six months ago. So that's been really impressive. And I feel, as I said, I feel like more confident in my body. So uh, part of me is to sort of use this time to work like, you know, like a whole, like a holistic review of, you know, what can I do to get better? And what am I, what am I really good at? What am I okay at? And what do I need to work on? And sort of devising a program to work on that, which always, and it all just keeps me hungry and wanting to get back, back out there because uh, I really can't wait to play football again. I just want to, um, I just want to enjoy it, but I also want to just showcase the stuff I've been working on because I've been working pretty hard. So yeah, that's, that's my, that's my sporting journey. That is an absolutely incredible journey, Matt. You should be so proud of yourself. Thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, um, you know, when you say that, like, I think about it now and I am forever proud of what I've done, but I don't think that I'll fully appreciate what I've done until I, you know, eventually say farewell to this. Mm. The dream is to one day play for my country, um, which is every Paralympic footballer's dream. Um, So... And there's, you know, quite a few of us. There's, there's more than seven. I'll say that. So <laughs> spots are quite competitive. But yeah, that's that's the dream of everyone. So hopefully, if I can achieve that one day, that'll be that might be a moment of reflection. But for now, it's um, it's just about you know, uh, taking each training session as it comes, as the cliche goes, and uh, just enjoying myself while I can. Yeah, and keep chasing that dream because I believe in you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I believe in me too. I think I, I believe myself a bit more now that I've been working on my body for, for six months and I've got a lot more confidence in it. So, um, yeah, hopefully one day we'll get there. Oh, well, that's a good way to positively spin 2020, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, And I don't have to do wear a face mask while I'm doing all that core body strength. So that, that's another benefit as well. I can do it in, in my own home without needing to wear a face covering. It's brilliant. <laughs> that's it. So you've mentioned that sport especially when you were you know a young teenager really provided you with an escape to what was happening Mm. at school I Mm. went through something similar with being at school and swimming was my escape Mm. so you know I really resonate with how you felt and how Mm. that can be something so much more than just physical activity yeah yeah I think also as well living in a, a city like Melbourne Mm. where you know sport is almost a AFL almost is a religion you know I would argue I have the unfortunate luck of supporting the Melbourne Football Club so you know I'm used to yeah and this again uh, growing up you know I've I've seen my fair share of 100 point losses Um, so I think growing up in a sports mad city like Melbourne where um, like my world revolves around the AFL for, for the winter time and cricket in the summertime I think when you've got a disability and you don't like fit the stereotype or you know you stand at like a sore thumb which you do when you have a disability but when you're younger you don't have the life experience or the self-confidence to like yeah I'm a bit different but everyone's different who cares when you're you know seven eight nine ten eleven twelve even thirteen fourteen mm. you're like oh why am I different why can't I do this everyone else can do that so I think growing up playing school football and playing school cricket you know I knew I was different know and I knew like I knew people would stare like it's one of the most obvious things it's the most uh you know things about getting a physical disability is you can see it other people can see it you know you can't dread like this elephant in the room when I when I when I first meet new people like one of the first things I do is like crack a gag about my CP because it's my way of a breaking the ice but it's also my way of saying hey this thing which you might think is an issue or you know you might not know how to treat it I'm okay with it. I'm cool with it. So you can be cool with it too. So the reason I say that is because, you know, growing up playing school 40 and school cricket, you know, you're different. That's why I love this program so much because it's sport, but it allows me to feel comfortable in my own body. You know, I'm not the, I'm not the one that's different. I'm not the one that is chasing the footy, but falls over getting there or gets run out, running down the wicket because he's too slow because we CP it is people like me playing the sport that we all love. So I think that's another reason why I love this sport as much as I do. Yeah, and that's such a special way of thinking of it and a special thing that you've got there, Matt. So that's, that's yeah. really great that you've yeah. shared that. What other benefits has sport provided you as an individual? Well, I mean, away from the sporting field, it's just given me the confidence to know that 
I'm comfortable with who I am. You know, I, it's no coincidence for me that I started feeling more confident with who I was as someone with a disability around the age of 14, 15, when, funnily enough, I discovered this program. You know, it was really, um, and, and that's something that I've, I've touched on previously when I've been asked to speak about my CP and sport, um, is the spillover factor of the confidence that I've gathered in, the confidence I've gathered in myself as a person playing football has allowed me to feel more confident as me as a person, person generally. You know, I see that in my time at university and I see that in the workplace as well, that it's just given me this assuredness that the stuff I can do on the football field and even away from the actual football, it's the, the leadership stuff, you know, like the, the, thing, the very thing we're doing right now, you know, having the knowing that I can speak to you coherently i've done that inverted commas for people <laughs> it's a visual medium uh, coherently about my, my disability it gives me the confidence to know that i can do public speaking you know i can do i can stand in front of a group of people and, and if, if i can tell people what it's like to be bullied because of having a disability then i think i can get up in front of people and talk to them about this presentation that i've been working on for 10 15 mm. minutes you know university university was a really interesting one for me because i, I always thought it ironic like the first semester because everyone is in the same boat in that they don't know anyone or they know mm. very few people that they might have gone to school with but that doesn't mean everyone's necessarily forthcoming and oh hi i'm i'm matt i see we've got a class together let's chat and i made a really good decision because I, I was at swinburne for four years did a BA in international politics and an honours degree in domestic politics. Before my first semester was in 2015, I did like a onboarding week where, you know, they basically show first years, you know, here's the toilet block and here's your building and here's what this is. Uh, but it was really great because we got to socialise. And at risk of uh, nailing my political allegiances to the mask here, I was, I was asked to uh, present on something. And at, at the time, the Abbott government was trying to deregulate university fees oh. and they weren't very good at it. Um, and I was presenting on something and I basically said, uh, and this is in my room about 300 people. I said, um, oh, so I'm Matt um, and I have cerebral palsy, which basically means I work, I walk as well as the Abbott government deregulates university fees. Not very well. Um, and I just remember getting a large room of laughter because obviously, you know, it's, it's university students. You know, they're going to appreciate that joke. And that wasn't something that I'd, like, worked on. I'm, don't, don't think of me as, like, Jimmy Fallon, you know, writing gags the night before. It was just something that I just did off the whim. You know, and to come back to, like, you know, to, to analyse that situation without being involved in the programme, without being involved in the sport, I wouldn't have the confidence to go up there and, and make that joke. And I think that uh, th things like that just show you that the confidence that I have in myself and, and also, like... I'm very self-deprecating by nature. Australians are typically larrikins. And, but I remember like going through university and I'm really lucky that I still have, you know, some really close friends uh, from my time at uni. My CP was always a bit of fun. You know, we'd always have a bit of, we'd always have a bit of fun with it and stuff. And, uh, you know, I'd always say to them like, oh, I'd love to carry your books, but my hamstring's just a bit sore. It's really tight today and you know, stuff like that. And, and they really got that, you know, and they were really happy to, not encourage it, but that, that they knew that, that it was just something that they didn't have to feel like they needed to treat me like fine china, like, oh, he's really precious and, and don't break him. And that's always been my thing. And I, I think it's a natural human reaction when you, you meet someone who's different, whether it be, you know, physically or whatever, is you naturally just like, oh, this person's different. I better be careful or sensitive. And I'm like, I don't care. Right. You know, my, my thing has always been judge me for who I am as a person, mm -hmm. you know, if I do something wrong or I make a mistake or I don't meet expected standards or behaviours in a moment or a situation, judge me on that. Don't go, oh, but he's got CP. Well, it doesn't matter. That's, that's different. You know, look beyond the disability because, you know, as, as um, corny as that sounds, it's true. Look beyond it. So, yeah, I think when you ask, you know, confidence and stuff, all of that can be traced back to can be traced back to the football, but can also be traced back to the program. It's a very family-oriented program. I do consider it to be a second family because we do care for each other. Well, obviously, we go away every year in a national tournament. Not, not all of us, the ones that are selected. And 
some of my happier memories have been on have been on that uh, have been on national tournaments. And yeah, you know, you do make lifelong friendships, even away from the Victorian program. Like I've got a couple of guys that play for South Australia. They gave me a shout out in their podcast. I'll give them a shout out. Uh, <laughs> Taylor Harvey and, and Chris Oakley, a couple of legends of South Australian football. Just both really good guys. Ben Atkins for New South Wales, uh, another ripping bloke, and Chris Barty for WA. You know, all people were on and off the pitch, just really good blokes. And, and you know, you really like, I'm really lucky to know them. So, yeah, it, it's just, so knowing people like them as well, who they've gone on and achieved things. I think Barty might even be a, a counsellor in, in WA, um, a local counsellor. And when you think like, oh yeah, he's got CP and he can do this. And Akers as well, he works in the, in the high up in finance. And you think, oh yeah, he's got CP. And then you think like, oh yeah, me, like I work in public service on like one of the government's signature projects. And I too have got CP. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a good thing as well, uh, is one of my a woman who used to be a comms director at LX. She also has cerebral palsy. Different. So, I, so my CP is on both sides of my body. Fiona had hers just on one side. And Steve is great. So not only did she have CP, she she had CP. She had bre- she had breast cancer as well. Oh wow. Um. So she was you know, she really had a rough ride of it for for eighteen months. But Fiona was great because she was really good around. And people might think that, oh, you have CP and you have CP and you both work in comms. You guys must have, you know, naturally come together. And I was like, yeah, we can. it was more organic, I think. Mm-hmm. We had a few conversations in the hallway, but it wasn't like matchmaker, oh, let's chat. It was, um, yeah, we, we had a really good couple of good conversations. And she was really good around, like, knowing your place. Because when you're in your graduate, you're really eager to, to do everything and anything. You know, and, and that meant, like carrying boxes downstairs I would have done it because I'm the graduate and and Fiona was really good around you do need to remember that you have a disability not saying that it's a hindrance but from an OHS perspective safety is a really big part of our organization so you know like by all means take it down but if only as a last resort and even if you're going to do it use the lift you know Mm. that that was Fiona's Fiona's thing that was really good I think to have someone um and also from a career perspective because I'm only I'm only junior I'm just starting out I was starting out at this point uh to see someone who's in a very high position you know who deals a lot of stuff day in day out have the same disability as me and know that she can do it also battling breast cancer then you know what's stopping me because I like to think that I've got career ambitions and stuff so I do have career ambitions and stuff so uh uh, that, that's really good career ambitions and stuff you know hopefully my, my boss isn't listening isn't going to listen to this but uh yes no, that's all good I, I do promise if my boss is listening that they are more uh coherent than that but um yeah i've seen fiona in that position was really was really uh useful and really beneficial so um yeah i think all the confidence can be traced back to to the program Wow, that's so good that program and sport have have given you that opportunity to grow that confidence. Because I knew you as a little a little kid, yeah, and you always yeah. had that spark in you. Thank you. Yeah, but it's great that sport brought it out. Yeah, I think I've always been a very sporty person. I was always going to find something to do with sport. As I say, you know, you, you grow up watching going watching enough Melbourne losses that you know it makes you pretty resilient I think when people ask why are you so resilient is it the CP no I support the Melbourne football club mate that's that's tough (laughs) oh Oh. gosh (laughs) footy's good for everything it is it is I could not come on a podcast theme and make jokes at the Melbourne football club but couldn't couldn't not do that (laughs) anyway so other than being a Melbourne supporter and learning resilience from that. Is there a lesson you've learned along the way that you want to share? Uh, it's cliche, but uh, don't judge a book by its cover. Mm. Someone had said to me uh, when I first started that you'll go on, you'll captain this team. I would have, I would have laughed because uh, as I said at the start, like, I'm not a, I'm not a football player. I never grew up playing football. You know, I have little memories of watching Liverpool in the, the English team, uh, in the Premier League, winning the, the European Champions League in 2005. Um, but I, I wasn't a football person. You know, I didn't grow up. I grew up, I grew up playing footy. That's what I grew up playing doing. So when I first started, I had to work on the basics of 
passing with your left foot and your right foot. Even to this day, I'm not great on my left, but I like to think I've gotten better. You know, learning to take a touch with you instead of your forward and then playing the ball and, you know, even dribbling, like using the right part of your body. And the thing was, like, with my CP, you know, it's not like, okay, he didn't go up playing football, but he's got, you know, a really wicked left foot on him or a really wicked right foot. I didn't have any hugely obvious talent when it came to football. Um, You know, I couldn't strike a three kick from 30 yards and, you know, win us the game in the last minute. But what I did have was an attitude of, I'm just going to give it 110% and a willingness to leave no stone unturned, you know, and an ability to get myself better and also get this team better, which I think the coaches, because I've gone to get four or five coaches in my time in this program. And I think every coach maybe had sort of identified that while I didn't have raw talent, I had an attitude and I was just willing to run like all day. If that's what it meant. The game six of my mind last year is New South Wales. I think I played all, all 60 minutes, which is a rarity, rarity for me. Normally I play 15, 20. And so uh, it's hard because it's a visual medium. Um, but basically it was my job to, um, so I was the striker, but mm-hmm. we had a pretty defensive game plan. So it was my job to run up their back three. So basically just imagine running end to end to end to end with a few you know, up and backs roughly for about 55 minutes uh well 60 minutes with about a with about a 10 15 minute break in between i just did that for six and I, i'm coming off just exhausted like, i could not move it's funny like when you go for a run and you sort of get a bit sore and you stop and you're like oh you know but when you're actually in that position of you know you've got the kid on you're playing for your state all those thoughts can become second nature mm. you just you just do it you just run and i think you know, I'd, I'd like to think if there was a game that summed up my approach to football, it would be that. You know, I didn't have much of the ball. <laughs> we lost convincingly. Beside the point. I just did my role. You know, regardless of what regardless of what was going on, regardless of the fact that I was playing against some of the, the better teams in, in better players in Australia, you know, going up, going up against them technically, they were going to beat me 10 times out of 10. You know, mm. so I was never going to dribble past them and make them look silly. But what I knew I could do was I could frustrate them and I could make their life difficult. Yeah. Like physically just being there, you know, he wants to play this pass. Well, you're not getting it through me. I'm going to make you go sideways and backwards and do it again. And I am just going to be there and I'm just going to not like the energizer bunny. Cause I was pretty tired towards the <laughs> end, but I am just going to run and I'm going to make you work for it. And if you are going to score, well, good for you because I've made you work for it. Uh, and so, yeah, I think about that, um, you know, and I think also uh, the lesson I've also learned is that yeah, I'm not a huge believer in fate, but I probably came across the program at the right time. You know, if I'd come with this program, maybe two or three years later, where sort of it was a bit more established because it was a bit of a, an unknown when I arrived that I probably wouldn't have had the cure I've had because there were players that, were better than me technically. You could done the, could do the role that I do. But yeah, so I think that the thing for me is just don't judge a book by its cover because you look at me and you look at me run and you know, it's a bit Forrest Gump-esque, my gait. Um, <laughs> so people must be like, oh, you know. So when people see me running in the park, they must go like, oh, has he hurt himself? Uh, if I had a penny for the amount of time, or a dollar, the amount of time I've been asked, just playing football or going around like, oh, have you hurt yourself? I'd have about you know, I don't know, but I have a bit of money on me. <laughs> um, because, I mean, and it's an actual human reaction. Um, but again, people don't look at me and think, oh, that guy, he plays representative football. But I do. Um, and that's not to say that people sort of think of me weirdly for running in the park, but it's just that thing. If people see me exercising and they must think like, obviously not around my neighbourhood because people know who I am, but when I go for like long distance runs and, you know, people must be like, oh, because he hurt his leg. So I think in a footballing sense, you know, don't just, just don't look at a player and think and sort of define him by what you see. You know, mm. let, he, let him or her let their football do the talking. Yeah. You know, which I think speaks to the, to the Nationals last year. Like, was I, I was delighted to score. You know, it was a great feeling. Anyone who's seen the video knows I was very, very happy to do, <laughs> to do so. But 
would I trade in all that feeling for us to have won the bronze medal? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would rather have gone on for 12 to do more, you know, 12, 24 more months without scoring if it meant I had a medal around my neck. Yeah. I just, I just want to see this team succeed. Both very good lessons. I really like both of them, Matt. Thanks, mate. <laughs> so you've obviously been involved for almost 10 years. Like it will be coming up 10 years with yeah. the uh, football <laughs> program. That's obviously a great project that you've been able to mm. help develop the younger members or yeah. even some of the older ones. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I mean, it would be amiss of me not to mention Benny. Uh, in, in this discussion. So Benny was the man who established the Victorian Paralympic program. So Benny Roach, the guy I met, um, who introduced me. So before he established it, there was no Paralympic football program in Victoria. Benny was quite fortunate. He'd been involved with the Australian Institute of Sport at a very early age. So that was his pathway. But he recognised there was no pathway for other people with CP. So he established the program. Um, and when he established it, nationals was this sort of loosely run thing where almost like a social get-together people would just come and we'd all meet and play football this was before my time so i'm, I'm basing this off hearsay and then when i came along the victorian football program was uh, overseen by disability sport and rec um so not football federation victoria and then by about 2015 football federation victoria came on board and it's now a part of a you know a part of football federation's broader programs um so uh seb who's one of our coaches, works for Football Federation Victoria, uh, and Sharon, who's our team manager, she also works for, for FFV. Um, so, you know, rather than it being a volunteer program, it's actually paid employees of FFV who, you know, part of their, part of their day jobs is to be involved with the team. Um, and they both do a fantastic job. As do Andrew, who's our other coach, and, and, and Seb. So I suppose my role, um, so the way the program works is that we've got obviously the, Victorian team that goes away. So there's about uh, 15, 16 of us. Then from that, the seven, well, the, the squad of, you know, 11 is sort of picked, 11, 12 for nationals every year, obviously not this year. And then we've also got like a junior program for, for the younger lads to come through and that's more working on, on technical stuff. The way the program works normally is that we train once a week as a team. You know, it might just be some weeks it's a normal training session. Last couple of years we've involved we've been involved in a round robin um, all abilities football tournament. So um, there's us as the Victorian team. There's a couple of teams in Glenora. Um, so that, that's really good because it's not just physical disability; it's mental disability as well, and mm. it sort of comes under the football for all banner, which you know, which is which you wouldn't be football for all if it was just physical, you know, disability. It's, 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 it's everything and everyone. Um, and that's been really, really good. So I suppose from the the development side, the way it works is that anyone and everyone can join the program. We're never going to say no. And I think that speaks to the that speaks to the family nature of it. I mean, it's hard it's a hard juggling act, particularly for the coaches, because yes, it's a family oriented program and everyone can come and go. But at the end of the day, we are there to win national tournaments, mm. and we have to pick the best squad that can win a national tournament. So. Selection can be pretty cutthroat. There's that juggling act, but it, it, so anyone can. So if you're, you know, 14, 15, or whatever your age is, um, and if even if you're female, we, we do. It is a it is a male program, but you know, if you are female, you are welcome to join as well. You know, you can come along and you can train train with the team. And yeah, so depending on your age, you might go into the younger age group where it's more about development. Or if you're you're older, you can come in and, and train with the sort of the, the senior boys. Yeah, so we have a the game plan and way we work. So we all we all work to that. We we train to that. When it comes to the all abilities days, we sometimes split the squad in two. So the younger boys and, and a couple of the older boys, or sometimes myself, and then maybe the more the more senior team as well. But we all play under the Victorian, you know, name and we all play, you know, in the in the in the big V kit, which which is really great, you know, particularly when when I think back, you know, some of these kids are 10 and 11. Do you know at 10 and 11 that there's people like you and mm. and that sort of thing? Like, that, that would be, that is great for them. Yeah. Which is really great to see. Um, 10, 11, I thought I was the only person ever with CP. So, yeah, it, it, I think that speaks to the development of the program and the way that the program has been able to just, to just um, move forward, which uh, which is great. So, 
yeah, that, that's the way the program works. And that's, it's a really great program at the end of the day. As I say, it's, it's, we are about winning national tournaments and that's what we want to do. But we also are a family. And, and that's something that we never lose track of. So every year, at the end of the year, we have a players v parents uh, social game, which is fun because I get to watch my dad. He does, he's not much of a runner. Like He's yeah. very fit. Like He swims and he cycles, but he's not much of a runner. And it shows because he likes to think of himself as a new age centre back where he can just, you know, dictate play and stuff. But every year without fail, his calf or his hamstring will, will give out. Um, and I did remind him that oh, you're, getting, you're getting a bit old now, aren't you, Dad? But um, that, that's always good fun. And it's always nice to go up against the, um, against the parents um, who I, I should, you know, take the opportunity to thank because it wasn't for them. You know, they drive us a lot to training and, We've got a couple of guys that live out, you know, in Bendigo. One of my good mates lives out in Mildura. And being, obviously, having CP, most of us don't drive. So our parents are, you know, taxi's not great to say, but they do, um, they do, a big part of them is, a big part of the program is, is their parents driving us. Um, yeah. You know, my mum drives me to most training sessions. So thank you, mum. I think, again, that speaks to the fact that we play against our parents every year just goes to show that, they're, they're part of the program as well. You know, they're not just the people that drive us to and from training. Like, we want them involved and we want them to have a bit of fun. And, um, yeah, and I think also as well, because it's a disability sport team, that I think the parents are going to be a bit more involved, I think, because when you're a parent of a child with a disability, you know, you want to see your child do well. And so when a lot of us do well through Paralympic football, you know, the parents were always willing to share. So they were always, they were always happy to share the, the team's Facebook page and our updates and stuff. And um, yeah, that's, that's really good because that gets the word out. It's not on us players because I think my Facebook feed would be a bit boring if it was just, you know, probably football and stuff. I've got to, got to remind people that Melbourne did win a game. So um, yeah, that's, that's always good fun. But um, yeah, it's a great program. It really is. And it's something that I'm really proud to be involved in. And I think the family nature, I think, will be the lasting legacy. Of, of this team and of this yeah. program um, that and, and people always buy into that I think the, the example that sticks out in my son I'm just to mention this at the start so late last year one of our younger lads uh, or his mum actually came, came to, to us and said look my son's got he's having surgery you know well he needs to have this surgery on both of his legs to sort of I think they needed to fix his hips up and the, the guy was about 10 or 11 I think and uh, he needed the surgery because he about to enter puberty. Obviously, his body was going to change. And the surgery was, was essential to sort of ensure his body was going to grow properly. But the kid wasn't, I think his name was Charlie. And he wasn't, he didn't want to do it. He was really scared about the outcome and what could happen. So his mum asked if a few of us senior boys after training would uh, be happy to have a chat to him. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. Because I'd, I'd been in exactly the same situation. Although I think I just took my parents' advice and went, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll go into the knife. I'll have the <laughs> surgery. Um, so I had a chat to him and, you know, said, I'll say, my mum, your mum says that you're a bit nervous. And he's like, yeah, um, I'm really, I'm really not sure. You know, I'm a bit worried. And I said, oh, well, you know, I, I had that surgery. Yeah, you know, it wasn't easy. You know, it's, 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 it's really hard. You've got all these people telling you, you know, they're telling you all these things like, you know, that you're going to have your body changed and, you know, you've got to spend the next six weeks in plaster. And that was the worst part, actually, because I couldn't actually walk for six weeks. I was wheelchair bound, mm. um, you know, and so it's really difficult. And so I understand where you're coming from, but I can tell you now that that surgery is one step backwards to go two steps forward. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, the surgery is it's going to help you later in life. And you know, you, your body's about to change, you know, you're about to go through puberty. And all this stuff. So I had a chat to him, for the other boys I had a chat to him. And it was really wholesome. But April this year, his mum texted me and said, uh, just wanted to let you know that he's going into surgery today. As soon as he spoke to you boys, he was really happy, really pleased, and he just wanted the surgery done. Like, it was all he could think about. Unfortunately, COVID meant he couldn't have it straight away. It was delayed a bit. And apparently all he wants to do, uh, Charlie, is... Um, kick the football around with all of us as soon as this is all over. Yeah, and that was really, um, it was really wholesome because uh, I actually got that text, I think, sorry, it wasn't April, I think it was later in the year because I got that text just, I think, as we were going back into stage three. Yeah. So everything was all a bit crap and, oh, 
And so to get a text like that, it just put the biggest smile on my face. And I was so happy and I was so pleased and um, really happy for him. And when you are that age and you're getting told by the doctors that, oh, you know, you need this, that and the other, and you've been told what's going on, all you want is just, you begin to like think, oh, why do I have to have, why is it me that has to go through stuff? Why can't I just be normal and be like my friends and run around carefree? Um, so I'm really happy for him. Um, and I'm really looking forward to having a kick around with him whenever I can. That, I think, sums up the family nature of this program. That, yeah. Um, we're there for each other and we're there to help. And I had the biggest smile on my face when I got that text message. That's really incredible, Matt. And the fact Thank that you. you've been able to make such a positive influence and help this young, you know, potential yeah. player yeah. through his journey because you've been through it too is really special. Yeah. And so you've, you know, taken us through your incredible journey and the difference it <laughs> you as a person. Yeah. How do you see the future of sport? Well, Paralympic football is a funny one because I've, I alluded to this before that unlike our able-bodied friends, we don't have the luxury of treating this like a, you know, as much as, as much as I'd love to treat football like a full-time job, mm-hmm. the reality is I can't because I have a full-time job that I need to pay the bills. So funding is always a big issue with Paralympic sport. The Pararoos, the national team, are actually hosting their um, undefeated uh, fundraiser at the moment, so their first virtual fundraiser um, due to COVID. And that's all around um, getting people to sign up and donate and, and, and that sort of thing. So that's always really big um, with not only with um, the national team, but also with the state team as well. So yeah. we've been really fortunate to have sponsors on board. So a big thank you to MITRE who supply our kits um, you know, and that's been really good. And we've had, we've really fortunate to have a lot of sponsors through the years, which means, cause at the end of the day, you know, we as players have to pay an upfront cost, um, to, to go to, to go to these tournaments. Um, you know, we're really fortunate with sponsors being on board that it's less than otherwise could have been. But, uh, yeah, so that, that, that that's, I think that, that the future there is always dependent on money, you know, money does make the world go around, but that's, that's something there that, you know, that I can't not ignore when I'm asked about the future of sport. And so again, a free call hard to thank you to all our sponsors that to get on board and, and make sure people like myself can go away and achieve our dreams of, of playing for Victoria. Um, hopefully one day our country. But I think also um, it's sort of weird, you know, COVID. Um, I think sports like ours, uh, they can, it's sort of difficult because whereas people would organically come across the program or hear about hearsay that sort of thing is sort of reducing COVID I think because um we're not and and football federation and particularly Sharon do a really great job of advertising the program um but it's just hard to advertise a program that's not really happening right now um so that that's that's been difficult I think future of our sport I mean our sport is never going to go away there are too many people like myself and hackers in New South Wales and Barty in WA and Rochi and Shades and, and Taylor and Halves who would fight tooth and nail to keep their respective programs alive and their respective sport alive because we know just how much this sport means to us and what we've done. And also to give younger, you know, kids coming through the opportunities that we've had. But there's also the, the reality that, you know, we are dependent on funding and that sort of thing. So it might be the case that due to COVID, you know, who knows that, you know, the opportunities that we've had, you know, are, are a bit more reduced and that sort of stuff. So it's hard to say, but yeah, from a Victorian perspective, the programs have been, been put on pause this year and that's been a bit difficult because I love seeing the boys every week. I love playing with the boys. So that's been hard trying to do it by myself in isolation. That's been difficult, but and while that sort of has reduced opportunities, if anything, it strengthened the resolve of people like myself and others involved in the program that, A, when we get back together, we're not going to take any of it for granted because, you know, it's been denied for me for a year. Um, and I can tell you my first game at Nationals when I get a chance to go back, it's going to be quite an experience. I'm going to be probably kissing the ground and stuff and savour of the moment. It's going to be fantastic. Um, but I think also... It strengthens the resolve of people like myself, as I mentioned before, 
to just ensure that programs like this don't don't uh, die wondering um, that we still have opportunities that we need to succeed. And that's not to say that, they, that you know, the program is looking to be wound up. That's absolutely not the case. But it's just about ensuring that we still operate as we as we as much as we can, as that people are still getting the word out, that people are still aware of the program. And we've we've done a really good job of that, you know, of uh, we've done videos on our Facebook page of us working at home together. Um, we're hosting fortnightly Zoom meetings as part of the team. So I think from a from a sporting perspective, like we as a team are keeping the team alive. Yeah. But the wider sport who knows because you know funding uh also border restrictions you know the national team can't go away to i think they're due to go away to spain this year to play a national tournament uh international tournament sorry so you know things like that you know then and then of course you know the reality of that is that sponsors pay money to see them there so you know and then the sponsors money takes a hit and all these things so it's going to probably require a bit of a rethink on uh like funding sources and stuff, but the people involved in the programs from Victorian level to across the country, we're, we're still just as passionate, if not more passionate about the sport and, and, and where it's at. So yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting times, but of course, parallel football is not alone. You know, I mean, the AFL needed to take a loan out from the NAB bank to keep itself solvent. So, you know, this is not just a community or, you know, non-professional sport I think like everyone is being impacted by this which is just the nature of a global pandemic I think um that, that things change um so yeah like it's going to be interesting times I can't you know if I could sit here and say what the future is going to be I probably would have been warning everyone in you know late December early January to stock up on some toilet paper and you know, maybe leave some for the rest of us um but uh, yeah I, I don't know. And I think that sort of fills me with a bit of insecurity because, you know, I'd love to know. Once we're back playing, that will also help as well. You know, yeah. it's really hard to to speak to your sport and um, where you think it will be when you, you want it, you just want it back. You just, you know, it's, it's this thing that's been, you take for granted and it's been taken away from you. Like normally every, for every, for about six months of the year, I play, on Saturday with State Boys, and I play on a Sunday with my club, who I failed to give a shout out to. Um, so uh, I should probably mention, um, given it's for my sporting duties, I've actually been playing for an able body club uh, since 2015, Tops of Soccer Club. And I've been speaking to the Paralympic program of, of the lifelong friends that I've made there. I've made some lifelong friends at the Tops as well. Just a really great club and a really great culture. Um, so I came about through the club through. It's part of the Peninsula Grammar where I was educated up until 2014 when I graduated from year 12. And uh, I think a few months after leaving the school, I joined I joined Topsa. Um, and a couple of, you know, I think I messaged the, the club president, Josh Sinclair, and uh, messaged Josh. And I was like, oh, man, I've got CP and here's a breakdown. And he wrote back this very simplistic email to say, oh, good, that's fine. I'll see you at training. Your training's on Tuesday. And I think that just speaks to the level of, um, so this is the culture of Topsa that they've just accepted me in. I run. A, I ran. Um, I won our president's award, the club's president's award, in 2015, and I didn't expect that I'd win the president's award. So that explains the quite a few beers I had in the background. <laughs> so when my name was called, I wasn't quite prepared, and I think I gave. I think Josh said I gave a 40-minute speech. I think he's bluffing, but it did go on for a bit long. Um, but I think that just sort of speaks to the level of the club that, you know, like they're happy to to recognise me for who I am, but also. They don't take. They don't. It's all. It's all, all a bit of fun as well. You know, they'll often give me a bit of joke about, oh, so you've won as many national tournaments as me, and they're like, oh, yeah, shut up. Like, yeah, that's really funny. No, it's a really great club, and based on the Mornings in Peninsula, I was quite anxious to join an able body club, you know, and that was probably the next step in my footballing development, because it means you're training week in week out, you're playing week in week out. I was, you know, touching on how much of a family the Victorian team is. Tops is also a family. Unfortunately, we lost our club captain, uh, Lyndon Williams, in a car accident uh, in November 2016. And that was really difficult because Lyndon was um, really, he was like the lifeblood of the club. Uh, and he was a lovely guy. And it's funny, like, I knew Lyndon, I knew Lyndon for you know, barely two years, but I was kind of distraught when he passed away. What happened after and the way the club just got together and 
just got around, you know, Evelyn, his younger brother, and, and just everyone as well, just reinforced how much of a family we are. Um, and I think that's also something that's been reinforced in COVID, you know, that we've been doing check-ins and stuff, and we tried to do launch night over Zoom, which, you know, was fun, actually. Um, you know, things like that. And so, yeah, I, th- I think that's one thing that I, I've always liked that both Topsa and the Victorian program is that, you know, yes, it's about football, yes, it's about winning, but we're also family oriented teams and programs at the end of the day. And um, yeah, Tops has just, it, Tops has just been really good for me. It's been, it's been able, allowed me to sort of make friends and, and um, you know, and also just uh, enjoy football. Cause I think when you play, that's not to say I, enjoy, I don't enjoy football when I play for Victoria, I do. But when you play football, what a Victoria at a representative level was a lot of expectation and stuff that you, you yourself need to achieve. So when I'm playing, like club football, um, obviously we want to win and that sort of thing. But I can just enjoy the game a bit more for what it is. Yeah. The game. One thing that always stick by me, and I know I'm liked by a lot of members of the team. Um, but late last year, I was um, abused by a member of. Uh, well, I won't name the club, but I was abused by by a player on the team, and uh, <laughs> he thought it was really funny. He's like, "Oh, look, everyone, it's Limp Biscuit," which, like, you know. Very, very funny, mate. But also, Olympus can aren't, you know, they're not the best news band. They're not the best band ever. So, you know, very, very funny. On, on the originality score, I'd give him about two out of ten. Um, you know, like trying to, trying to be trying to be funny, but it, it didn't work. And um, I told the ref because I wasn't happy with it. Uh, and just the reaction of the boys of like, uh, not like going after him, but making his life a bit difficult and just ensuring that he didn't do that again. That's not to say they, they threatened or intimidated him, but just the reaction of the boys when I told them, they're like, he, he did what? Oh, right. Okay. Um, was just really pleasing and just reassuring to me. And, they, and a lot of them said, like, are you, are you okay? Like, are you, are you feeling fine? Like, you know what I'm saying about it? And that just reinforced to me that, you know, um, that they were a family-based club and, we look out for each other and but yeah, but just in that moment, I've just, cause I've felt a bit hopeless and a bit like, Oh God, really? Why? And they were like, okay, look, first of all, he does it again. Tell us. And we'll, you know, we'll go straight to the ref and, you know, we're happy to, to leave it there. But just a reaction after the game as well. Like I put a post up in our Facebook group and just sort of said, thank you. And a lot of the boys are like, you know, don't forget who you are. You know, we, we love you for who you are and the way you go about it. And you're such a great member of the team and um, and that sort of thing. And, and that was just really nice and really kind. And, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I've loved playing with Tulsa, like every man. And that's one thing I'm also missing as well is just my Sunday afternoons with the boys. And, um, yeah, you know, I've been really lucky that I've been able to go away on holidays with, you know, members of the team and, and that sort of stuff. And... Yeah. things like that I really do miss when I think about COVID and lockdown and isolation just the little things been really good fun and um, playing for Topser and I'd like to think that um, my body's got a few more years left in me I mean that's the whole reason I'm doing this strength and conditioning program phase to ensure my body lasts as long as I can um, but I'm going to keep playing for Topser as, as long as I can and yeah that's probably my football journey yeah what a journey that has been Incredible. I'm in so much awe of you, Matt. Like, that's incredible. Oh, Be so proud yes. of yourself. Thank you. Thanks, for Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, things like this, you know, we've been going for, for an hour and a half. So, um, you know, obviously we've, we've got a lot, a lot going. Thank, thank God for Zoom Premium because I wouldn't want to do this over three, three staggered Zoom calls. Um, as I said, like, I'm not normally a reflective person, but things like this sort of make you stop and think and go, oh, yeah, I have done this and I have done that. And, um yeah, I think um, Paralympic football has been really good for me. You know, it's allowed me to feel a lot more confident in myself and it's opened so many doors. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Faith, for the opportunity to, to speak. You know, I was really, really, uh, really glad when you'd be offered the chance up to me. So it's been a really great experience this morning to, to be involved with you and have a chat. And I'm probably spending the rest of the day um, reflecting on uh, some happy memories. So, so thank you. No, thank you so much for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. And thank you for being so open and, you know, showing that vulnerable side as well. Like, oh, Yeah. I mean, when you win to football or football club, you've got to be vulnerable. You know, it's just part and parcel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs>
Oh, humour. You might not notice anyone out there listening. Humour is my way of dealing with uh, with difficult things. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. If you'd like to be on the show, please send us a message. We would love to hear from you. Until next time.